Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday, it's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. Welcome to Extra Point Taken on the Ringer NFL feed. Shiel Kapade here, joined by Ben Solak, producer Cliff Augustine. The offseason rolling along. We're one week into the free agency period, the negotiating period, all the different dates they have. So uh, don't fact check me on that. It might not be exactly one week, but we've got moves to talk about. We're going to do which offseason do we like so far? Which offseason do we not like so far? And who is the most interesting team going forward? So a little change up, Benjamin, with the extra point take. You know, a little more format, a little more structure mm-hmm. this week so we don't just have to fire off random takes. How do you feel about it? Well, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a scoring system that has more structured points, but I don't really know. It's bowling. We just yeah. I, The pins are decided. There's no metaphor here. Uh, yeah, it's the offseason, which means that if we were to do seven takes off the cuff on seven different things you'd be getting some ben powers takes some some you know wow leonard floyd's still a free agent it's just it's the bottom of the barrel unfortunately this is what we're doing we'll do that and then you know what we just came up with our extra point before we started recording we're going to go on the record at this point in time who do we feels like who do we feel like is going to win each division next year and we'll periodically come back to that after the draft before the season and see how our opinions have changed but let's get started here Ben you go first uh, I don't know how you want to frame this the the off season you like the most so far your favorite off season so far uh, however you want to frame it what team has stood out to you on a positive note I, this was actually harder than I thought. I think a lot of teams did fine. It wasn't really the sort of offseason where there was one team with $100,000 just going like, best corner, best safety, best wide receiver, right? And like I think the Texans could have done that, but they're electing not to. I think the Bears thought they were doing that for a second, and I disagree with the any analysis that the Bears did achieve that. So it's a lot of teams that I think just did like a good job with, with one or two big moves and handling the margins. And to me, that that team that has the best offseason so far is the Dolphins. Uh if we 
scope this back to include hiring Vic Fangio as the highest paid DC when like every single team was trying to hire Vic Fangio, right? Which I guess like you're kind of cheating getting that one in there. But Fangio coming in to improve the defense and then the immediate uh, resources that they poured into this defense. David Long, who as you joked uh, on a recent extra point taken is like every football nerd's favorite (laughs) linebacker, is a really good linebacker. And they get him for two years, $11 million total. Uh, The trade for Jalen Ramsey, a third round pick and Hunter Long, obviously they... uh, they secure some of his future money. They secure some of his future salary. They guarantee him uh, his salary. But Ramsey hops up on the podium and says, I always wanted to be in Miami. And Miami was the team I wanted to come to. Like, this is where I want to be. And so I think that, that I don't think you're running a risk of, of kind of Ramsey, you know, losing interest in a year. I found that to be, you know, compelling as far as these things go. So you had Ramsey and, and, and Long, which to me are, are impact players on a defense that already had a couple, but needed some of those spots plugged up. When you go and you look at, at names, Right, like just just defensively right now, Jalen Ramsey, Javon Holland is one of the best young safeties in the league. I say he's a top ten safety. Bradley Chubb, David Long, and me as a top ten uh, uh, linebacker. Christian Wilkins who's a top ten defensive tackle. All five positions to me, they've got a top ten guy. And then they have Vic, who who's been a great defensive coordinator in the league for a long, long time. Independent of how much of the league is using his defense, Vic Fangio has been that dude. Period. I think they did a wonderful job in setting this defense on a course where it's going to be able to be successful. And as we know, when, you, when you're building out a contender, you don't need like a top five defense. That's not predictive of being a contender. You need a defense that can hang around, and if they can get you a couple of stops against a high-powered offense, you expect your guys on the other side to, to do the rest. And that's where the question marks remain. Uh, they return Raheem Moster and Jeff Wilson and Salvin Ahmed. The entire running back room comes back, which I thought was a little... <laughs> interesting i would have liked for there to be maybe one large person in this backfield but okay they, they stay for speed they switch out trent Sherfield with braxton barrios which to me is just fine mike gasicki leaves like you know so far to me like you're not moving the needle too much and what was a really 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 good offense when tua was healthy tua not healthy all the time but they do have mike white who i think is a nice backup the big question now is your offensive line where they i think have been looking for improvements they've been looking for replacements they've been rumored around george fant they signed Dan Feeney, but altogether, the starting five looks like it's going to be exactly the same starting five as last year, and that starting five presented problems for them, right tackle especially, with Austin Jackson. And so if they can get a tackle deal done, or if they can get a guy early in the draft who can start, I think that that's, that's kind of the, the last big gap plugged up for this offense. But altogether, uh, impressive offseason for the Dolphins. I am continuing to buy Dolphin stock. This is interesting. This is not where I expected you to go with this, so so it's good. So we, we didn't tell each other beforehand what teams we were picking. I'm pretty much on board with you on the defense. I mean, you could have just told me Fangio and nothing else, and you would have said, oh, I right. thought I thought if I tried to get Fangio in there, you'd go, that's not the offseason. You go curmudgeonly shield on me. Like, yeah, I should have done that. That doesn't count. Yeah, right, I thought see, that was coming. I'm, I'm in offseason mode. I'm a little re- more relaxed. Maybe the sun is I shining. I know, right? Uh, out, outside, yeah. If this were like you know week 15 and you tried to pull something, something like that. I wouldn't have even let you finish. I would have just jumped down your throat immediately. But I think that's fair to expect their defense to be much improved. I mean, you add one of the most talented defensive backs, one of the best, I shouldn't even say talented, one of the best defensive backs, period, in the NFL, and then one of the best defensive minds of the last, what, 10, 20 years. 
you're going to be better on defense. And as much as I like to uh, make fun of you football hipsters for going overboard with David Long Jr., considering he started uh, 26 games, I believe, in four seasons, I like David Long Jr. And it was a reasonable contract. They didn't overpay. If they would have paid him $11 million, I would have gone settle down, uh, everybody. But it was a reasonable contract. Uh, It's a talent upgrade there. So I like what they did there. My questions are on the other side of the ball, though, here, Ben. I mean, they are picking up Tua Tungavailoa's fifth-year option. I think that became official this morning. And it did, I, yeah, that's right. It, it's not my notes because it became official this morning. <laughs> and I can't, for the life of me, figure out why they're doing that. I mean, the risk with Tua Tungavailoa, why do you not want to just maintain some optionality there, see what he looks like this year, see how healthy he's able to stay this year, see what the offense looks like, and then do it after the season. So I don't like that move by them, uh, picking up, making that commitment to him for a fifth year. You obviously have the injury, the concussion stuff with Tua Tungavailoa, which is frankly like uncomfortable to talk about because you can't really predict whether he's going to have another concussion. We don't even know officially how many he had. We know he had at least two, maybe three last year. We know that two of them were separated uh, potentially by what was it, four or five days when you had a Sunday and a Thursday. And so you just don't kind of know what Tua Tungavailoa's uh, future outlook is going to be from a health perspective. And so that one isn't even that fun to talk about. I mean, not fun at all to talk about, but I don't even know if it's worth talking about because we don't really have answers to that. But the one that does give me a little pause, like how concerned are you about defenses now? See Mike, and I don't want to do the old, you know, defenses are going to catch up to him, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, cliche. But at the same time, we saw some stumbles from that Dolphins offense in what the last month of the season. I think you, you wrote about it. You talked about it on this podcast with me. You did a great job breaking it down. Uh, how concerned are you that those things that we saw on film in the last month of the season along with the offensive line maybe not being a great unit, are going to make this a good but not great offense. Because I think in the AFC, if all of a sudden that offense is taking even a little bit of a step back, then you're not a contender anymore. I So here's my framework. I don't think with uh, an offensive designer like Mike McDaniel, who to me, we talked about this, I remember, on a show in season, is the closest thing we've ever gotten to the next Sean McVay since people have been trying to find the next Sean McVay, right? One guy has one play off of which he builds a whole series of counters and, and iterations and, and, and machinations and can dominate a defense with it for four quarters. It's the closest thing to McVay we've seen since McVay. A combination of Mike McDaniel, Tyree Kill, and Jalen Waddle. Just give me those three. I don't think that offense will ever be bad. I think that there's too much... Uh, uh, intelligent play calling and understanding of where your bread is buttered from McDaniel. And then there's too much speed, which is where the bread is buttered. It's with the the speed of wide receiver in Waddle and with Tyreek Hill. Obviously you have like a a nightmare DEFCON 8 scenario where like Tyreek and Waddle both get hurt, but like that's every offense ever. You know, these guys go down, whatever. So that doesn't really apply. They don't have, yeah, they don't have major injury histories or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, Hill's had hamstring stuff and he's over 30 and he's a twitch athlete. And I think that that's kind of coming down the mountain, but you see how long you can, you, you can hold that off. The reason why I say I don't think it'll ever be bad is this. If it reaches its like worst place, if it gets it to it's, 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 you know, Tua can't figure out anything and defense have caught up to McDaniel, at the very worst, it just becomes like unstable. It becomes like three and out, three and out, three and out, touchdown. You know what I'm saying? Three and out, touchdown. Like there's so much big play potential. It's hard to imagine this offense becoming totally inert to the point where like, uh, you know, you might look at like, 
you know, okay, uh, uh, EPA per play and then DVOA and they're like 14th, 15th, they're like average. You look at like drive success rate, like how many of their drives are actually good and they're like 31st. But it doesn't matter because when they go, they score. You know what I'm saying? They run away from guys. They create these, these enormous plays. And that construction of the offense is, is helpful for me because I go and I look at the playoff game they lost to the Bills where they had Skyler Thompson back there. The entire offense was a mess. It looked terrible. It was aesthetically disgusting. Thompson was regularly making the wrong read, wrong throws, missing guys. Protection was horrible. And they scored 31 points. Right? McDaniels got his... Got a, he has, like, pole position. He has conquered this area, this, this, this competitive edge of the NFL that nobody else is in, where it's like, we're just going to be enormously fast and totally sell out for play action. And if that means sometimes we're in third and 21... Sometimes we're at third and twenty-one, but other times it means we're scoring a touchdown, baby. And that, to me, I, I, I buy that. To me, I find that I find that compelling enough that I don't think that offense will ever fully be stopped. Okay, yeah, I, I, I think you're a little higher or a little more confident in them offensively than I am. Tua started thirteen games last year, thirteen the year before. You are right that if he gets injured this year, you're in, you're in yeah. better shape there with Mike White to maybe keep you afloat. They finished eighth in offensive DVOA last year. So if you take a little step back again now, if you get to 10 or 11 is what you make up on defense enough there. So I think they're a good team. I don't think I will identify them as a team that's going to make a major leap. Like, do you like their, all right, let's, let's do this really quick. Do you like their Super Bowl chances? And I'll just go through AFC teams, AFC teams, and you tell me if you like them better. Uh, the Dolphins or this team? Chiefs or Dolphins? Chiefs. The Super Bowl. Bills or Dolphins? Bills. Bengals or Dolphins? We're tight now. Probably Bengals, though. Uh, Chargers or Dolphins? I noticed you skipped over a team there. You think I don't have the list up? You think I know the team? Oh you no, just I'm, I'm getting to, well. I'm going in order. What I think the okay. like the chances are. Yeah, I think the Dolphins have a better chance to make Super Bowl and Chargers. Jaguars or Dolphins? Dolphins. Ravens or Dolphins? Jaguars probably gonna have a home playoff game, but still, uh, Dolphins over Ravens for sure. Uh, Jets with Aaron Rodgers or Dolphins? Dolphins for sure. The list I'm looking at, because okay. I have the Jets fourth on the list I'm looking at, because it's the updated FanDuel odds for to win the conference. Oh, no, I, I, I just yeah. have, I'm just looking at a standings list. Okay, did I miss yeah. anybody? No, so that, those, were the good, those were the good teams. The FanDuel odds right now to win the conference, Chiefs plus 350, Bills plus 450, Bengals plus 500, Jets plus 750, which is insane. Uh, Chargers plus 1,300, Ravens plus 1,300, Dolphins plus 1,400. I have a Dolphins plus 1,400 ticket. To me, that, that's that's badly mispriced. Okay. I like the Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals in Tier 1, and I think it's reasonable to put... Now, I don't know if I'd, I'd have the Dolphins above all those other teams, but I think it's fair to put them in a tier with those other teams we just mentioned. All right, we'll see what else the Dolphins do this offseason. A good segue to my favorite offseason so far, and most of this comes down to one move, but if I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan, I am ecstatic right now. That you wow. made a, hu- a big upgrade wow. at left tackle. So uh, I thought Orlando Brown was going to get north of $23 million per year on the open market. I wasn't the only one. Uh, Joel Corey, former agent, does a great job at CBSSports.com. He had him, I believe, at like four years, uh, $94 million. Well, Orlando Brown's market did not materialize. And so 
He got in touch with the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals did not plan to upgrade left tackle this offseason because they didn't think they were going to be able to upgrade left tackle. They pivoted. They adjusted. They made some moves. They decided, yes, this is worth doing. They get a four-year, $64 million contract for Orlando Brown at left tackle. He barely squeezes into the top 10 highest paid left tackles. This doesn't happen in the NFL where a player who is 27 years old, who has missed just one game in five seasons, who has been a plus starter. I know he's not an elite left tackle. Yeah, he will have some issues in pass protection against athletic edge rushers. I understand that. He's still been a plus starter and above average left tackle. He's been durable. You don't get that guy without trading for him, without drafting him. And if he happens to hit the open market, which, by the way, they almost never do, you're paying absolutely top of the market for that guy. The Bengals did not have to do that. They were able to add uh, add Orlando Brown on a very reasonable four-year contract here. And to me, their window is going to stay open if they can continue to build the best offense possible and then figure it out with your boy Lou Anarumo on defense. It goes to the last conversation we just had. Build the big bad offense. Figure it out on defense, have a defensive coordinator who can switch things up from a game plan perspective. And I think they are set to be able to do that. So I just look at the premium positions on offense, quarterback, wide receiver, left tackle. I mean, who's better positioned than the Bengals right now for the next three to four years with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Orlando Brown. And so I love what they did there. I mean, they should just be pouring resources into that offensive line. Give Burrow a chance. You have the weapons on the outside. Your window is now. And so I know they lost players on defense. Jesse Bates, I like a lot. Von Bella, I like a lot. I like that they're looking ahead, kind of. You know, next year, Jonah Williams would have potentially would have been a free agent. Well, they filled that gap now. Last year, they were looking ahead. They picked Dax Hill in the first round. I'm not telling you he's going to be a pro bowler. I liked him as a prospect, but you have a nice option to fill one of those uh, safety spots there, and they signed Nick Scott. So uh, I think their defense could take a little bit of a step back, and frankly, I don't care that much because uh, I think they should just be pouring resources into the offense, and uh, if I were a Bengals fan, I would just be uh, be excited that you're strengthening uh, a part of your roster here and an offense that finished third in offensive DVOA now actually has a chance to be better in 2023. You seem like you disagree. Give it to me. I mean, I'm just looking at the, the Bengals tracker. This Bengals team has added Orlando Brown, Cody Ford, and Nick Scott, which I would say for the majority of our listeners who aren't sure who Cody Ford and Nick Scott are, it's a backup guard from the Cardinals, Cody Ford, and Nick Scott was a safety with the Rams. He started this past year because they didn't have anybody else who could start. He's an okay backup player. They've lost Jesse Bates, Vaughn Bell, Hayden Hurst, Samaje Pirine. Internally, they've retained some special teams guys, Michael Davis, Travion Williams, Joe Batchy, and then Jermaine Pratt, which was a nice retain yes. starting linebacker for them. They still have as pending for agents that they have yet to return. Eli Apple was a starting outside corner for them. Trey Flowers, who is the Travis Kelsey answer. Drew Sample, Max Sharping, Trent Taylor. That's pretty uh, uh, Mitchell Wilcox, who also played a tight end for them. They're a lot of guys. Overall, Bengals lost a lot of talent. Those are just signed- names. Mitchell Wilcox? I mean, come on. We're we just naming names okay, okay, here. Okay, what okay, do I, I was, care? Okay, okay. okay, okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, overall, I got Jesse Bates, Vaughn Bell, Eli Apple, I won't say Trey Flowers is a starting defensive player, but okay, I have three defensive starters leaving. Okay. 
And they brought okay. in Orlando Brown over Jonah Williams. And that's their only major move. And you're like, yeah. this is the best offseason? Yeah, they signed nah. the the best tackle on the market for an under-market price. And they were already a Super Bowl contender, by the way. I mean, you have to compare them to other Super Bowl contenders. The Bills, the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Niners. Like These are the teams you're comparing the Bengals to. It's not like they had to fill... 10 holes on their roster. And, you know, you look at some of the things like, yeah, all right, Eli Apple's a free agent, Chidobe, uh, Awujie, you're hoping to get back healthy there. So it's not like they're just going in blind there. I think they could add uh, another corner if they need to. Like I mentioned, you lose two safeties, Nick Scott and Dax Hill. I'm not telling you they're going to be as good. You're probably going to take a step back defensively, but offensively to have a top five offense and then to get better on offense, who else is there? Is there another team? that has done that? I, I don't think there's another team uh, that can say they've right. done that this offseason. Best tackle on the market is doing insane work for Orlando Brown because he's the best tackle on the market. Sure, I'll give you that. I'm not even sure I agree with it, but I'll give you that. He's not a top 20 tackle in the league. Top 20? Are you nuts? That's crazy. Want to play the game? Wait, top 20 left tackle or top 20 overall tackle? Overall tackle, overall. Okay, well, why am I comparing him to overall? I'm, th- I'm looking at left tackles. Okay. I think he, he is probably a top 10, uh, top 10 left tackle in the NFL, top 10 to 12. Trent Williams, Teron Armstead. This is going off the dome. Ronnie Stanley, uh, Rashawn Slater, Jordan Mailata, Laramie Tunsil. Um, Colton Miller's probably better. Colton Miller, no, Colton Miller's on the right. Okay, so I'm at six. Penny Sewell's on the right. Andrew Thomas on the left. That's seven. Um, Penny Sewell's on the right, Cliff. Penny's he's talking to me in the chat. Penny Sewell's on the right. So that's seven. Um, naming a bunch of now already naming a bunch of guys who miss games. By the way, who we know offensive Brian, line play. Brian O'Neill's eight. Jake Matthews. Brian O'Neill's a right tackle. Is O'Neill right tackle? Shoot, yeah. A lot more guys on the right than I thought when I first started yeah, this game. Jake Matthews. That'll be eight. Jake Matthews. Tyler Smith nine. What? A, what? You're saying these definitively? Are you yeah, nuts? Yeah, 100%. Okay, no. listen. I'm So I'm on record. I should go back and actually probably find it because it'd be an interesting conversation. I'm on record before the Bengals play the Chiefs in the playoffs this year saying that having watched all of those defensive films from the Bengals against Kansas City, that Lou Anarumo, the Bengals defensive coordinator, has no respect for Orlando Brown. Every time he goes one-on-one hunting, he puts, he puts a, a, one of his explosive rushers, either Trey Hendrickson or Joseph Osai, which are not insanely talented names, against Orlando Brown, and they always win. Like, I, when Lou learned that the Bengals were signing Orlando Brown to a big contract, I think he was, his head was spinning. I don't That's think Orlando great. Brown, he can show him what his weaknesses are, what they picked on, and you have an improving player. His weakness, his weakness is that he's 350 pounds and can't move <laughs> that fast. I don't know if this ain't much of a show thing. This is now just like, a, this is reality. I don't rate Orlando Brown highly enough to look at that contract, which the, the structure of the contract is, is, is nice. They can get out of it fairly quickly. There's not actually a lot of guaranteed money in it relative to what was reported it's like all in, in bonuses they didn't guarantee any base salary which is kind of Bengals 101 um so i don't mind the deal i just i don't see brown as a big enough jump over jonah williams to to unless you get like a good return back for jonah which i'd be surprised if they do because they're, they're gonna try to trade him i don't see him as a big enough jump over jonah williams at this contract to say oh wow and the Bengals problems are solved i i can't i can't get all the way oh, there. i completely yeah. disagree i think My, there's a wide gap between those two players i will say so williams didn't have a great season 2022 2021 jonah williams was like 
fine. He was a solid player. I just think you're riding a roller coaster a little bit. I think they're overreacting. Unless there's like injury stuff we don't know about that they know about internally. Uh, I should I should jump to the end of the story here. I had the Bengals as my most interesting team because I am very interested to see if Brown details a continued change in the way they run the football right uh you saw over the course of the year they became more of a power running team orlando brown obviously leans into that they were also finding a lot of success being a power running team with samaje pirine and they let him walk and like all of the buzz pre-free agency was like what if they cut joe mixon and they didn't cut joe mixon so i'm not really sure what they're doing running game wise which you're like oh who cares about the Bengals' running game the Bengals do a lot they spent the whole season trying to figure out how to make that running game substantial enough successful enough and 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 confusing enough and uh, you know uh, uh, versatile enough that they weren't siloed as an offense this was a huge problem for them early in the year was that they could only run from under uh center and they could only pass from shotgun and accordingly like, defenses knew what was coming for the entire first four weeks and they had to, they had to mature and grow their way out of that so this is a very big deal is figuring out what the Bengals are doing in, in the running game so i found that very interesting and then defensively as you brought up uh or excuse me you didn't bring it up because you were passing over because you were trying to cheat as i brought up uh, they lost three starters, right? They lost Jesse Bates. They lost Von Bell. They have the potential to lose Eli Apple. They have the uh, potential to lose Trey Herndon, who, like I said, was an important player for them when they played the Chiefs. All of those guys potentially uh, are out the door or potentially out the door. DJ Reader, free, uh, one more year in his deal, free agent in 2024. He's their starting defensive tackle. Logan Wilson is their, also their starting linebacker uh, next to Jermaine Pratt, who they extended. His final year of his deal is 2023. He's out the door in 2024. Akeem Davis-Gaither, who's their third linebacker, he's last year 2023. He's out the door in 2024. Shadobia Wuzier, last year in 2023. So this is their starting corner. This is their corner one. One year left in 2023, out the door in 2024. So the Bengals, if you had told me in fe- on February 2nd, no, that's way too early. If you had told me on March 2nd, that's when free agency starts. If you had to- told me, okay, predict what the Bengals do, I would have said, okay, here's, here's the move. Here's the move. Uh, cut Joe Mixon, sign Smosh J.P. Ryan. You're going to try to get extensions done early for T. Higgins, who I forgot to bring up. T. Higgins, one year left on his deal, up in 2024. Tyler Boyd, one year left in 2023, up in 2024. So try to get an early extension on T. Higgins. See if we can get that Joe Burrow deal done. Get it done before Jalen Hurts. Get it done before Lamar. Bengals love to get their quarterback deals done as soon as possible. So they're going to get that done right away. And then defensively, they're going to have to figure out kind of who to stick with and who not to stick with. You don't want to spend any money you don't have to spend. Yeah, like hold this money for Joe Burrow, hold it for Jamar Chase, and see who you need to keep on defense. They then did the exact opposite of everything I would have guessed, which isn't to say it's bad. Like I, I, I look at this and I do kind of get it. I do think that secondary wise, yeah, they probably can just like cycle a few guys in. Cam Taylor, uh, Britt played nice for them. They did draft Axel in the first round. Like I don't think that's necessarily the wrong approach. I just think I, I really expected the Bengals to go okay. T. Higgins is our tent pole, and Chidobia Wuzier is our tent pole, and Joe Burrow is our tent pole. This is what we built it around. DJ Reader, let's extend to those guys. And instead, they were like, Jermaine Pratt, Orlando Brown, even though he's not that much better than Jonah Williams, I don't know what Shield says. This no. is our, our approach. And I found that to be very interesting. So our, our third segment, after we do teams that we think of the best offseason, was going to be most interesting. Bengals were my most interesting team, so I'm surprised to see them in, in your top slot. All right, we'll jump to that. I'll get to my most interesting in a second, but I need a, a, a re- rebuttal. I mean, I don't think any of those, th- like they're going to extend 
Joe Burrow, barring something unforeseen, like you didn't have to do that first before doing uh, anything else here. Uh, I mean, some of the, you know, the running back situation, I would not be surprised to see them have a different running back on the roster in week one than they have right now. I mean, they could have done all those things you mentioned, and guess what? They would have had a left tap, left, left tackle coming off of a uh, injury who didn't play well anyway last year and then have no option to replace him in 2024. I mean, that's a bigger hole than anything else you just mentioned there. Cornerback, you can still uh, address that position. So I think they still have options to address the different things, but if I'm prioritizing it, I'm having number one, build the biggest, baddest, hardest to defend offense possible for as long as possible to extend our championship window. Uh, I think Brown is a better player than you're giving him credit for it. I'm not even saying he's an elite left tackle. With this contract, if he's the 11th best left tackle in the NFL, guess what? That's perfectly fine. By the way, the other thing is he doesn't miss games. I mean, those players you're mentioning, Ronnie Stanley, Teron Armstead, what kills seasons, what kills stretches for a lot of these teams. And your best offensive lineman goes down. You don't need all pros at all these spots. You need someone who's reliable. He'll have, he might have some bad games, like I said, against athletic edge rushers. He doesn't miss games. Like you mentioned with the run game, third in, uh, third in rushing DVOA last year, it's absolutely an upgrade as a run blocker there. And so, yes, you still have to figure out who's playing running back. But the like you mentioned, the run scheme made huge strides last year. It was really the only great running game without a quarterback involved. So uh, I, I think they deserve some benefit. Tyron Smith. Okay. All right. I'm you sorry. like old, I'm, I'm, you, I'm old and injured is your now. type. Okay. Yeah. Uh, also great good. Point. Old, injured, and good. Those okay. are the three okay. main things I look for. Okay. All right. Let's move on to my most interesting team of the offseason. Then we'll come back to the ones we didn't like. Tyron Smith played four games, by the way, uh, last year. That's really... Uh, okay, know, that's, but I, he didn't come off in my initial mental run-through. And he turns 33 per, in December. For a particular okay. reason, which is like he right. did not play. I understand that. I'm just saying. We're talking about talent on the field. Tyron my Smith is like a Hall of Famer. But that's not all that matters. We're talking about right now. I mean, you need, rely, you need reliability. You would rather have a younger player than an older player. You asked me to, to name 10 tackles better than Orlando yeah. Brown. I've got yeah. like 13 at this and point. And you named ridiculous ones. You named right tackles. You named injured guys. You probably went back 20 years ago, guys who aren't even in the league anymore. All right. Always think Brian Neal's on the left. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Crown Royal. This NBA season, Crown Royal is celebrating the loyal fans that show up for every tip-off and also celebrating the people who drink Crown Royal during games. I know I like to have some around whenever I'm taking in a basketball game, an NBA game. Always good to have around. And Crown Royal believes if you live generously, life will treat you royally. Visit crownroyal.com to get ready for tip-off. Please drink responsibly. My most interested team... Going forward, I can't believe I'm saying this because I normally find them to be just a huge bore, is the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, and the reason is, 
Well, I guess the main reason is because they have an erratic owner who at any time could release a video outside his private jet announcing anything and you wouldn't be sure if it was legit uh, or if it was just some hoax or if it was some tic- uh, TikTok. Is, I don't know. I'm not on TikTok, so I couldn't really, uh, I couldn't really land yeah. the plane there on that joke. But they got to do something at quarterback, right? I mean, they signed Gardner Minshew. For three and a half million dollars, which I thought was a reasonable move to make to kind of give you a floor as a, for a back end starter or a uh, reliable backup there. But they also hold some cards in their hand. And, and the biggest one is the number four overall pick. What are they going to do? Are they going to sit tight and take an Anthony Richardson or a Will Levis? Are they going to try to move up to three with the Arizona Cardinals? and take whichever quarterback is left, Richardson, Levis, or if Richardson goes in the top two, maybe Stroud or Bryce Young is still available there. If they don't do that, Ben, would this surprise you at all? If they, you know, the draft doesn't go their way, let's say another team trades up to number three and drafts whichever quarterback the Colts like the most. And whoever's left at four, whether it's Richardson or Levis, the Colts say, shoot, this isn't, we don't really like this guy. We're not going to draft a quarterback. Could they be the team? That finally, somebody, I mean, this is just like a forgotten story now, makes at least a call on Lamar Jackson and says, let's just have him into Indianapolis. All these steakhouses that the sports writers are obsessed with when they go to the combine every year, we'll take him uh, to one of those. We'll show him the ropes of downtown Indianapolis. We'll, you know, maybe we can we can uh, arrange a meeting with Peyton Manning or something. Uh, maybe he can have lunch with Andrew Luck, who, you know, might, might, might be in town. And they say, you know what? We have this contentious relationship with Baltimore, as is Jim Mercy's uh, dad moving the Colts in the middle of the night on the Mayflower trucks. I didn't realize what a huge deal that still is in Baltimore until I, I lived there uh, about uh, 12, 15 years ago. Still a huge deal. Could they be the team that is a dark horse for Lamar Jackson, even if it's after the draft? So I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, they've been a team that is usually pretty content just sitting on their hands and not doing anything. Uh, that's kind of been their their MO a lot of times, but you just feel like the pressure's on a little bit more this year. And whether it's in the draft, whether it's after the draft, they have to make a big big move at quarterback somewhere along the lines. And maybe we will wake up to a wild headline involving the Colts in the quarterback and a quarterback at some point. What do you think? I absolutely think they got to do a Lamar thing. Even Mm. if you're, even if you're just poking the bear, right? You gotta, you gotta uh, show that you're serious about making a big move at quarterback. You have to put, somebody's got to put pressure on the Ravens too. Like you want to make it, make sure that they actually have to like pay Lamar legit money. Like if they, like, you know, we we don't talk about this because it seems like 10,000 steps away. But if the Ravens are get Lamar on $32.4 million, it's a great value on a, on a contract deal, right? That's a, that's, that's a nice little competitive advantage for a year. Go sign somebody. I mean, it kind uh, of is, but all that $32 million goes against their salary cap for this year. And they kind of, you know, they have to wait. Like, they can't make moves the first week of free agency knowing uh, that they're going to have that. They're also going to have an unhappy uh, quarterback. They're also going to have a locker room going, why are you treating the quarterback like this? So... All right, maybe a little bit of an advantage, yes, but I think there are probably going to be a lot of things working against them in that scenario. But sorry, yeah. go ahead. When you look, actually, like I'm looking at cap hits now for 2023, and Lamar's would be third. So never mind. It's not as good as I thought it was. It's not yeah. as big of a cap hit. Salary-wise, it, it, yeah. It, yeah, they're paying that less might, out of yeah. their pocket. That might change uh, pending Rodgers, but still. Uh, so yeah, I think the Colts got to do that. I, I, I wouldn't say 
the Colts are like interesting. I would say like the Colts have the ability to become so. There's there's potential energy in this machine. There's not at this time any kinetic energy. There's not any like nothing is happening where I'm like I am engaged. Mostly I'm just looking at it like this is very very sad. Now you know, if you're trying to win the interesting game, they should have kept Jeff Saturday, man. I'd be more interested if this were Jeff Saturday. That's true. Just throwing money at every offensive lineman he can find. But that's not the game you're trying to win. Um, yeah, but as of right now, like in terms of teams that have any chance of making a Lamar move, which, you know, we talked about this this situation so many times over the last month, and I was fairly confident. Like, I told you if, if Lamar gets... To the, to the non-exclusive tag. like I was like, teams will be tripping over themselves to sign him. And then the exact opposite thing happened. Uh, so yeah, come to Extra Point Taken for correct predictions. Uh, <laughs> if there's a team right now that has a percent chance over 5, 5% of making a Lamar offer right now, I think there's just one, and I think it's the Colts. And so I would hope to see that they do it. I just don't, I'm not going to hold my breath at this point because it's very clear the Lamar situation is a lot different than I expected it to be. It felt very weird writing writing the team Colts next to the word interesting because, I, yeah, I generally have not found them very right. interesting. Have but some respect. Look, Come on. Yeah. I was looking at who could, you know, maybe make a move here in the next month or so. So that's that was my most interesting team going forward. All right. Let's circle back to an offseason that we have not liked so far. Who do you have for this one? I'm pretty sure we have the same team. Okay. Do, do we want to... Do we want to... Say it at the you same time. You want to do a one, two, three. All right. You got to do. Count. You, you got to do. You got to do three, two, one, and then say it at zero. All right. So we so we say it after one. Three, yeah. two, one. Name. Is yes. We because do? whenever you say okay. all right on three, mm-hmm. there's always confusion. Do you do? One, I'm two, always confused. It, or I'm, con- one, two, I'm three, consistently it. confused by this exercise in all all aspects of my life. Right. This is why you always say okay, count down from three, because then everybody okay. knows you say it on zero. So all right. So do you want to? Do you are you yeah. counting us down? All right. So you just yeah. say three, two, one. Bam. Right? That's yes. what we're doing. That's, right, and that'll be it. the way we do it for the rest of time. Okay. Three, two, one. Broncos. Raiders. Oh, Raiders. <laughs> little, uh, little, uh, 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 that was a sleeper. I wouldn't have guessed. Okay. So okay. your boy Marcus Epps went to the Raiders. I am very interested <laughs> to hear what it is that, that you say. Um, Broncos. I think that, you know, we, whenever we, um, uh, whenever we talk about free agency winners and losers, there's always a, uh, instinct to say team that has a lot of money did well because they acquired players and to an extent that's legit to an extent that's real like i i do think mike mcglinchey at right tackle is better than the alternatives that the broncos had playing right tackle last season and had a right tackle this offseason so like yes in the sense that there are new players in the team and they're better players the team has improved and they spent a lot of money with mike mcglinchey who by the way is making more money than orlando brown sorry continue right which mike mcglinchey is worse than orlando brown how you feel? You feel good? You feel better? Oh, that, yeah, that, I agree with that yeah, you. That, right, that's nice. easy, okay. yeah. Okay. With that said, three years, $48 million for Zach Allen, a defense fan with the Cardinals who played with Vance Joseph and is a, a low sack, low pass rush player. Three years, $18 million for Alex Singleton, who's a player that they signed to a one-year deal, a functionally vent minimum last year, had a bunch of tackles in a Jiro Eberos defense, not a Jiro Eberos defense anymore, but Singleton, three years, $18 million. Chris Mannertz, Right, which like three million, who cares? But still, Chris Manners is a tight end who doesn't catch. Mike McGlinchey, five years, eighty-seven point five million dollars, uh, about fifty million dollars guaranteed on that deal. Ben Powers stepping in to replace Dalton Riser, who they let walked four-year, fifty-two million dollar. Samaji Pirine, two-year contract, which I want to say is like five, six million. I don't know the numbers in front of me. Three point seven five. Three point seven five. Was Thank the you. report it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't see 
one impact player. I I don't I I if this were a team that had stars and they were looking to kind of elevate scrubs to middle tier players, okay, sure, you still spend a ton of money to do it, but whatever. But this is not a team that that has that, right? This this team has at at, at premium positions, Pat Sertan, which is sick. Don't get me wrong, loving that. But then other than that, like edge rusher, they traded Bradley Chubb away and they're trying to rely on Randy Gregory to, to kind of be a star rusher. And I don't think that Randy is that consistent of a star pass rusher. They have uh, a wide receiver, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, neither of whom are stars at those premium positions, but they're also talking about maybe trading Jerry Judy away and Cortland Sutton's coming off of injury. Elephant in the room. Let's talk about the most premium position. Let's talk about quarterback. Russell Wilson is not a star player. Left tackle, Garrett Bowles. I think he's fine. Ah, Garrett Bowles, better than Lando Brown. Garrett Bowles, I think he's fine. I don't think he's a star player. So this is not a team that had a star's construction. They had, I think, a lot of like B to C tier players outside of Sertan and Simmons. And then they just added a bunch more B and C tier players. This is like a lot, a lot, a lot of money spent for a team that is anticipating taking on an enormous cap hit. For Russell Wilson, a cap hit of, of, you know, if they do the June 1st thing, could be upwards of like $80 million over two years. Enormous dead cap. Spending so much cash to, I think, have a better chance of going 9-8 and eight in a division they have no chance of winning because Patrick Mahomes is in it. Uh, I understand why they took this approach because Sean Payton said, this is my roster now. These are the players I want. We're going to run the football. I need to start tackles. This is how we're going to do it. I get it. I don't think it's appropriate. I don't think it's correct. I think three years from now, the Broncos are going to have a young quarterback, be in a rebuilding phase, and be looking to get out of Zach Allen's deal and be looking to get out of Mike McGlinchey's deal and have no nothing that happened over the last two years to be like, this is a good, it was good we signed McGlinchey for this, for this week 18 game against the Chiefs that if we won it, we would have almost made the wild card round if another thing happened. Like, I just don't... I can't find the juice that's worth the squeeze. Why not just hold on to this cap space, roll it over, and be better prepared for the next era of Broncos football? I thought this was irresponsible spending. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you for the most part. I mean, this is Mm -hmm. the free agency hall that is most likely... You know, it might be this time next season, but certainly in two seasons, you're going to look back and go, yeesh, boy, they really spent a lot of money. I mean, they were so aggressive. Like, they, they could have exercised a little patience. Like, Ben Powers, like you mentioned, $12.9 million per year. Isaac Sayamalu got, what, $8 million per year. I mean, Mike McGlinchey yeah. gets... I mean, you really... It was like Mike McGlinchey, you, you treated him as a have-to-have-it type right tackle, paying him at the top of the market $17.5 million per year when he's had issues in pass protection. He's had uh, durability issues there. So I just was surprised by how aggressive they were. And, you know, I I can kind of get it because they've given up all this draft capital for Russell Wilson and for Sean Payton that they feel like they need some players in here. It doesn't feel to me like this is something that's going to go smoothly in year one. I mean, I made the joke, I think last week we talked about it. Like, are we going to wake up to a Jarrett Stidham is taking first team reps this week in practice or splitting first team reps with Russell Wilson in practice type scenario? I mean, all their moves seem to indicate not a confidence with Sean Payton that he can turn Russell Wilson around, but rather a, hey, let's take stuff off of Russell Wilson's plate. And by the way, that could be a perfectly reasonable approach. I will say this about Payton. I mean, he is very impressive 
in his way to adjust and coach to the talent he has. I mean, when they had Drew Brees go down and they were winning game after game with backup quarterbacks there, they were winning with defense and special teams. And so he might just look at this roster right now and say, you know what? It's not going to be a one-year turnaround. This is our best chance to win. We're going to run the ball a little bit more. We're going to play some defense. We're going to scheme some stuff up. We're going to have good special teams, all these things. Uh, and that's going to allow us to be competitive and maybe uh, compete for a playoff spot. But uh, I would agree with you. I mean, there's another side of this where just because a guy was a great coach and I've been on the record, like I think Sean Payton's one of the best coaches we've seen here in the last 20, 30 years. It doesn't always mean that in that next stop, you know, it might be a little bit different uh, at the next stop and you might not see the same guy. So uh, Zach Allen, I didn't, I didn't hate that one as much as you did. I mean, at least there it's a young uh, you know, potentially ascending player at a kind of premium position that if things work out, he's giving you some pass rush and playing well. I would not have probably paid him that kind of money, but uh, the other ones, the McGlinchies and, uh, you know, the other ones you mentioned, the man hurts, was just like, all right, we're getting a little bit too aggressive here for the Broncos and probably not moving the needle. So uh, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, I have no My main thing, no my problems. main thing, I, I like, I agree. I don't mind zach allen too much in a vacuum my main thing is that draymond jones who was uh, like a great like talk about again like star player premium position like draymond jones one of the best pass rushing defense tackles in the league right like i think fringe top 10 uh he signed for like a little bit more than zach allen did 17 yeah with the seahawks just keep draymond jones man you can just keep the good player that's here even though you weren't the one who got him here and even though you coached a different guy elsewhere and you'd be fine but Coaches like guys they know. And that always, every free agency, I forget. And then every free agency, you see Zach Pascal get a two-year deal with the Cardinals. And you're like, what? And then it's like, well, because John Gannon knew him from Philly, baby. They've talked before. Ergo, got to sign him. Speaking of which, let's move on to the Las Vegas Raiders. Wow. Transitions. <laughs> I mean, that one just fit too well. Like, I, I might have had another point, but I'm like, no, that's that's We're starting good. there. All right, so here's, I see all kinds of red flags with the Las Vegas Raiders, and it's not necessarily just with the individual deals. I mean, they signed Jimmy Garoppolo. It's really like a one-year $34 million deal or a two-year $48.5 million deal. It's in line with guys like Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins. They could have gone cheaper with Jacoby Brissett, but whatever. It's not that big of a deal. Jacoby Myers, even, three years, $33 million. That's like fine value for a useful starting wide receiver. I don't have a big issue there. Here's my issue, Ben. We, we zoom out and I just see a directionless franchise where if you are a Raiders fan, you're looking at the moves and maybe this is, maybe I'm not answering this question totally correctly because it's a combination of kind of this year, last year in season, mm. last off season. So the sort of thing where if I were to do it, I would be immediately yelled at and chastised, but you can do it. It's fine. Interesting. That, Interesting. That's All that's right. correct. Cliff, make okay, sure you good, mute, good, mute, good. mute that and edit that out from uh, Ben from yeah, the podcast yeah, yeah. so good, no good, one good, hears good, it. Good, good, good. Uh, we're good. We're good. We're good. So you zoom out and look at the big guy. I mean, it goes to exactly what you mentioned, the familiarity thing. And specifically when you have an ex-Patriots coach, it really hits a, a little harder where Garoppolo, Jacoby Myers, last offseason, Chandler Jones, all their big moves are guys with Patriots ties. And then you have this, this report from Vic Tafer from The Athletic had a line in his column, and he's covered the Raiders forever. The Raiders brass didn't feel that car fit their culture. Uh-oh, we're getting culture talk huh. with Josh. Huh. Wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait, wait. Yeah. 
Derek Carr's been on the team for a decade. I know. That's what I'm saying. But Josh you, McDaniels, just now? <laughs> Josh McDaniels felt like he didn't fit their culture. This is Josh McDaniels, by the way, who is now 17 and 28 in 45 games as a head coach Nonsense. for a winning percentage Nonsense. of 378. You have an NFLPA report, Ben, where the Raiders' lowest graded category was their coaching staff. Player respondents, quote, felt that head coach Josh McDaniels is less likely to listen to his players and keeps them for longer hours than other head coaches around the league. Again, not an issue if your team is winning and things are going well, but Josh McDaniels has not been winning. Josh McDaniels now has four seasons away from New England as a play caller. Those offenses have ranked 18th, 17th, 32nd, and 17th in offensive DVOA. And now I'm supposed to believe that Jimmy Garoppolo, taken away from Kyle Shanahan and Debo and George Kittle, and now he's going to go to a new place and he's going to perform as well. Oh, and by the way, he's going to stay healthy for like the third time in his career. Nope, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. And so you zoom out and I see a team that is just like making, you know, they, they don't really have any plan. I mean, Last offseason, they said, we're not rebuilding. You know, we're going we're gonna to keep Carr. We're going to trade for Devontae Adams. We're going to come in and compete right away. Well, that didn't work. You didn't win games in 2022, and you're probably not going to win games in 2023. And so you can have that revisionist history where you say, last offseason, they probably could have traded Derek Carr and gotten something in return. They could have not pulled the trigger on a Devontae Adams trade, who, by the way, he's going to be 31 in 2024. The next time you might have a chance to compete, you would have had more draft capital to potentially move up for a quarterback in this year's draft, where remember the Raiders, I think, have been reported or at least rumored to have been uh, making calls or involved in trying to move up for a quarterback and do that deal that the Panthers did, but they didn't have the same draft capital and they did not make that move. So I just don't know what is their path to relevancy going forward. Were they expecting Tom Brady to come in? This offseason, do they think? Well, Joshua Daniels knows him too. So knows him. He knows him. Sense. So he would take him. So maybe they'll do something. Maybe they'll make a move during the draft and they'll get a good quarterback, uh, you know, for a longer term solution. Uh, maybe they'll surprise me and the offense will be great with Jimmy Garoppolo next season. But I see a team that really, does, like I said, directionless, does not have a plan and a lot of red flags from kind of coaching management direction under Josh McDaniels. Your thoughts? Yeah, I I see what you're saying. It, it definitely is. Like, if we just look off-season in a vacuum, I don't mind the Jimmy contract. I think it's fine for what he is. I like the Jacoby Myers contract, to be honest. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, bring back Amir Abdullah, whatever. Like, they, they, there's kind of their major moves where Carr and Waller out, Garoppolo and Jacoby in. And while I, I don't think that's, like, a good off-season, I, I don't think it's, like, terrible. When you widen the scope to be like, okay, Raiders, what's the plan? Yeah, that's where you start arriving at the point where nothing makes any sense. There, there's so much. If you had just figured this out a year earlier in yes, the Raiders' history, exactly that it just it, it feels so much cleaner just in terms of like, you know, okay, Gruden situation with like being the enormous contract, having the coach tenure that he did, but then, you know, in the Dan Snyder investigation, Gruden's emails come out and then Gruden's no longer the head coach of the Raiders. Like that sequence being unanticipatable, notwithstanding, knowing that Mike Mayock wasn't really the guy for the job. If you kind of figured that out, moving on from Derek Carr, when his value was a lot higher, when you weren't in a position where it was, it was, uh, 
cap-wise, going to force you to release him because that was their own contract that you signed and not be in a position to trade him. Darren Waller. Like, they, there's pretty solid reporting that they could have included Darren Waller in the Devontae Adams trade and then didn't. And then a year later, traded him for a third-round pick to the Giants. There's, there's just, there's so much like, if you guys had just had a little bit better vision, just a little bit better patience, and a little bit of a longer understanding, most especially with like who the enemies in your division are and kind of what that means for your team building approach, this could have looked so much prettier. So yeah, like your roster's fine, but what were you aiming for? Not fine. You missed and hit fine, and so it doesn't feel as good. You're kind of stuck in the middle, but there is potential for explosiveness if there is if there are issues with the coaching staff and the players. And yeah, they remember they extended Darren Waller just before uh, last season there. So yes, if they had some foresight last offseason, they could be in a totally different spot. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm personal price plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Let's finish it with our extra point taken. Like I said, we're going to go through the divisions. We're going to make our picks. Now, looking ahead to 2023, we will change these many times over the course of the next several months, and then we'll go on the record August or September with what we actually think. I will And, and we'll laugh never, at our March selves. I will never be changing. Lock this these in. You're good. Right, I like that. Go. It's less work to do over the many months ahead. Just Yeah, know, but then when we, need, when we need a concept content, for a show yeah. in June, then we're going to have to change them. <laughs> It can be which of your division picks do what you most like to change <laughs> from March. All right. AFC East, I got the Bills. Who do you got? Yeah. FanDuel right now, Bills plus 125, uh, Jets plus 230, Dolphins plus 370, Patriots plus 700. I think Bills easy. I do have a Dolphins bet in. Though I think Bills and Dolphins are the two best teams in that division, independent of where Aaron Rodgers goes. Are the Patriots going to finish in last place in the AFC East? Yeah. Okay. There we go. AFC North. I got the Bengals. I mean, I can't just do that whole segment on the Bengals and and not pick the Bengals. So I like the Bengals definitely yeah. in that division. You do. Bengals, yeah. Bengals is is to me a a, a pretty easy look. Uh, I don't think the Steelers are getting measurably better. I don't think the Ravens, even if they get Lamar back, are going to be. What like, is the best case scenario for the Ravens? Can we talk about that really quickly? Yeah. Like, what is the scenario where Ravens fan is feeling good on week one going into next season? I mean, is it, yeah. I don't even know what it is. If he plays on the tag, that's going to be such an awkward, uncomfortable it's, situation. It's, best case scenario is it's Lamar Ravens extension. Contract. Okay. Yeah. Which yes. is, is a no, there's a non-zero chance. It's between zero and 2%, but it is yeah. non-zero. Um, that's so right. Ra- the, be- yeah. 
The best scenario is, th is not that somebody signs him to an offer sheet and they have to match it. The best case scenario is that no one signs him to an offer sheet if you're a Ravens fan, and then you come back to the table, yeah. you butter him up, and you find a deal that works for both sides on a long-term extension. Yes, I think yes. even that, I don't know if the, I mean, I think there's going to be some awkward, hurt feelings, but that's probably the best case scenario for them. Which I was looking, I was looking into this and I don't have the details exactly right. I know that obviously in mid-July, there's the franchise tag extension deadline, which is you yes. have up until that time to sign the players on whom you've placed the franchise tag to an actual extension. And then you don't have to worry about them playing on the tag. I was, I was talking with somebody with an agent who was telling me that if they're stuck with him on a one-year deal, like on the, on the non-exclusive tag figure which is 32.4 million they can still negotiate a different figure for the one year i don't understand how that's going to go though so don't call me on that but like there's there's a there's a lot of time left for the ravens and lamar to still keep going back and forth this whole thing is the moral of the story although um, we've been saying that for like two years yeah uh i think it's Bengals, and like i refuse to engage interest in the browns who like talk about i like, just debat like a team that's just bungled off season after off season the defensive roster in the browns is atrocious atrocious all right uh they do have jim schwartz now though jimbo nice, Love nice, coord nice coordinator i thought they've made some okay moves on the defensive uh side of the ball who they said so they signed like no no one's great the, but they signed some so dalvin the, tomlinson the dalvin tomlinson the dalvin tomlinson signing is a great example of a team being on tilt where they were like, I got a Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox is one of these big names. And then all these defensive tackles started signing for huge money. And so they chucked a ton of money at Dalvin Tomlinson, right? And they were like, see, big money defensive tackle. It's like, yeah, but he, he's not the other, he's not the other guys. Like you just gave him a lot of money to make him seem like the other guys. Dalvin's a fine player. Just yeah. doesn't need that at that price tag. It's like, all right, you're trying to make him something that he's not. Yeah. I had him at 10 or $11 million. I think he got over 14 uh, yeah, million dollars. Million dollars there. All right. Uh, that is the AFC North. AFC South. Jags. Yeah, I got the Jags. The Jags. Who are gonna else? Be, they're going to be a trendy pick. Well, Titans. Would Titans add Lamar? What do you think about Titans? You would, they would be your favorite team. We get a little Mike Vrabel and Lamar in there. To get, they have no other options to add I'm, a quarterback. Should they just do right. it? I mean, the, the <laughs> they fire sale. a bunch sale. of cap space, right? The fire sale in Tennessee is insane. Do we want to do... We wanna do Starting Titans <laughs> offensive line or starting off with offense no. right now. Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr, or Derek Henry, excuse Derek me, Derek Henry. Henry. Yeah. Receivers are Traylon Burks, Nick Westbrook, Akina, and Kyle Phillips. Tight end mm -hmm. is Chig Conquo, who was like a little fun last year. I love offensive it. line, offensive line, left to right. <laughs> Andre Dillard, Daniel Brunskill, Aaron Brewer, Dylan Radins, Nicholas Petit Frere. Brother, <laughs> it is it is scary stuff on the Titans depth chart right now. I think the Jags are a runaway favorite with that division. Pending Lamar entering it, Texans aren't serious about competing this year. Titans aren't serious about competing this year. Colts are a total mess. Jaguars are in a great spot right now. I, I might be willing in August to give the Texans a little buzz with a little D'Amico, uh, Bryce Young combination, if, if that's what it is. I'm going to definitely fall yeah, in love they gotta, they gotta with go that They got to go get them at em. some point. Right yeah. now, right. if you look if you look Fandle-wise, the strongest favorite to win their division is the Niners, minus 160 in the NFC West. Next is the Chiefs, minus 155. The only other team with minus odds, odds greater than 50% to win their division Jaguars, minus 145. Wow. Tuggy P, getting it done. All right, Get well, the trust. Let's, let's go to AFC West. I'm not picking anyone other than the, Chief, other Chiefs. Than the Chiefs. What are you, nuts? Yeah, we all yeah, learned yeah. our lesson last year, or at least I did. Uh, 
<laughs> NFC <laughs> NFC East. Uh, Eagles, Cowboys, we got Giants. I don't want to, you know, Giants fans get very offended mm-hmm. nowadays. I like the Eagles uh, there still. I like the Eagles. I will say that Eagles, Cowboys, pretty close to a coin flip for me right now. Cowboys are still. Not with the way Mike McCarthy's been talking this offseason. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> my, my, uh, the, the, uh, the McCarthyization of the Cowboys is yeah, going to bite me in the butt well. on that one. Yeah, yeah, Their player moves have been fine. Yeah, if you told me the player moves and then they still had Kellen Moore and they weren't talking about, hey, we're going to run the ball all this, then I would be more with you. You had Gilmore, you had Brandon Cooks, but uh, I am I would be frightened if I were a Cowboys fan of what Mike McCarthy is going to do to that team next season. All right. NFC North. Who you got? Lions. Me too. Who do you have second? Bears. We sure the Packers aren't uh, going to... Now, I'd, I would have to read up on Bill Simmons' uh, complete Ewing theory from back in the day, but I'm, yeah. I I might be the first ringer staffer who's going to jump on board that, hey, Jordan Love might be kind of good in this. I tell you, I tell thing. you. The, the the work the Packers brass is doing to talk about how much they love Jordan Love is oh, incredible. Right, I, I, I would say in the last month, I've had 19 <laughs> people with some degrees of separation from the Packers front office tell and coaching staff tell me how good Jordan Love looks, which mm-hmm. means one of two things. One, Jordan Love looks good. Two, Jordan Love looks bad. And off of what I've seen, I, I, I'd lean to the first one. I think he's interesting. Yeah, I agree. I, agree. I just... I just I, I go and I go to Packers.com and I go to coaching staff and I scroll down to defensive coordinator and I see Joe Barry and I go, oh, we're not serious yet. And then I move on. Okay. Well, maybe their offense. But who, who can you call in Detroit to make them the Lamar team for me? Anybody? Send a text, send a, a blank email, something? Yeah. Find, find ownership. Sit, I think buy. you were the first one who, who actually mentioned this idea, and that's when I loved it. And then I'm yeah. just like, yes, I'm gonna, we, just, we just got to, we have to buy enough Ford F-150s, you and I, to own yeah. 51% of the Ford company. <laughs> and then from there, hostile takeover of the Lions. This is how business works, by the way. Jot all this down. And then we own the Lions. And then we, uh, we, get, we trade for Lamar. And we have a I lot mean, of trucks. Look at those NFC teams, Ben. And then put Lamar on the line. We're already saying they're the favorites in their division. And now, again, we know Jared Goff played well last year. You don't have to tell us. But mm-hmm. you add a nice, young, running element to that offense. And, oh, my gosh, that, that is absolutely you wanna, a good fit. In terms of teams, we're about to talk about another one here. But two other teams that I was close to giving best offseason to, Lions were up there, man. Uh, the, uh, the, re, the facelift on the secondary. Cameron Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley, who's hurt all the time. I know we can't trust Emmanuel Mosley. Johnson Gardner-Johnson. Uh, I, I, I get John Kaminsky back. Alex Anzalone back is like, eh, but I get it, right? You just kind of keep linebacker secured and whatever. Swap out uh, I, I, uh, Evan Brown for Graham Glasgow when he comes back to Detroit. Lions are, Lions are settling in place. We need a little bit more of a punch along that defensive line. Get Leonard Floyd in the building? Nah, we're cooking with gas. Yeah, the Montgomery signing was weird to me, but I would agree with you with the rest of them. And by the way, they have the number six overall pick. So, what's weird about what's weird about the Montgomery signing? Six million a year for David Montgomery? That's nuts to me with the running back market. What Jamal Williams got? But it's fine. Uh, He got less than that. But three year, twelve million. Yeah, three four. Um, 
I don't know. Mon- Montgomery, statistically, all his numbers from last year are like legitimately terrible if you look at success rate, all that stuff. At the same time, I watch David Montgomery, and I kind of like him. So may- he could he's, have a he's very— a solid player. Yeah, I, have, I have no issue with the money. He could have a very good uh, season for them. I just thought that was a very uh, very aggressive, unnecessary move uh, at running back. All right. NFC. Oh, these NFC South odds. What is yep. going on here? Yep. These are surprising me. You got yep. them in front of you? Read them out. Saints plus 115, Panthers plus 270, Falcons plus 400, Bucks plus 500. If you don't own a Falcons plus 400 ticket, you're outside your mind. Let's and go who, dirty birds. And who's starting quarterback for them week one? Who do you have? Desmond. Desmond Ritter. Ritter. Okay. Baby. Listen, again, talk about good off seasons. Uh, Falcons, Jesse Bates into the building. Improvement at safety. Trade for John Smith, whatever. Who cares? Like seventh round pick. You know him. It's fine. David Onyemata, fine player. He's in the building, improves defensive tackle where they were extremely weak last season. But then the, to me, like the feather in the cap, Keeping both Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry was something I did not think they were going to be able to achieve, especially after they paid Chris Lindstrom the amount of money they did, which one of the reasons why they didn't get best offseason for me is because they're paying Chris Lindstrom a lot of money. But once they did that, I thought they couldn't keep Caleb McGarry, and they were able to. This offensive line is really solid. This team is just enormous, right? They, they bring Mac Hollins in from the Raiders. You go and you look at the, the height weight of the starting skill position players for the Falcons— Right, you just Drake London's like six four, Kyle Pitts six five, Jonu Smith is like six three, Matt Collins like six three, Cordero Patterson, Tyler Algier like both six two, or no, Algier isn't, but Patterson six two. Big football team, we love us a big football team, Shield. You, you, mate. I, I thought you were gonna pick the Falcons uh, because I saw you tweet about them, and I'm not on board. Like I like those players, Jesse Bates. You're paying top of the market. Chris Lindstrom, you're paying away at the top of the market. I mean, Lindstrom and McGarry are making what, like $32 million. Is that a, I don't know, is that like a great, it's a good, it's a very good right side of the offensive line. Is it like elite, like level? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, again, I, like I said this at the time, Lindstrom would have been a first team all pro for me this yeah. year, which right. you've got one year. So you're projecting a little bit, but still, I think we'll start to use the E word around Chris Lindstrom a lot more frequently over the next couple of years. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I like, and I believe in keeping your, if you don't have a lot of great players and you have young, very good, you know, young, great players who are durable, go ahead and keep them. I just wonder like, is it going to be 2027? And they're going to be like, this isn't the year we're going to make a move for a quarterback yet. Like, I don't know how many years do you give a new regime? This is year three, like year one, you know, they could have taken a flyer on Justin Fields or Mac Jones. Uh, I'm not saying like, yes, they 100% should have done that. Year two, there were not a lot of great quarterback options in the draft. Year three, they have a chance to at least explore Lamar Jackson. They're not doing that. Like, at some point, you got to do something uh, to add a quarterback unless you believe Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke is the key to your success. So uh, I'm not as high on them as you are. I kind of like the Panthers uh, a little bit. Panthers are good. Honestly, they're at uh, number two. Add, add the uh, quarterback uh, there. Uh, uh, who's starting a quarterback for that feel? Yeah, grow I like both those prospects, whichever one they want to take. Stroud or Young, I feel Trust good about it. Trust in a rookie. Yeah. Okay. I'll put it to you this way. If you take... Panthers plus 270, I don't mind it. If you take Falcons plus 400, you're an enlightened soul. If you take Bucks plus 500, I'm not there with you, but I can kind of get it. There's a lot of yeah, talent I don't on the think team. that's I'm crazy. There. Right. If you take Saints plus 115, yeah. we have to have a conversation. <laughs> I mean, what is that? De- that is crazy to me. How are, they, how are their odds Name that recognition. High? Name recognition. Think, think, think about this. Think about like 
just like your your average NFL fan, how many more players they can name on the Saints relative to the Falcons. But who's like actually the better team? It's a coin flip. De- Dennis Allen being 15 and 38 with a 283 winning percentage. I think that has to come in play uh, at some point. Yeah, I would. Yeah, the, the, that is a bad bet. The uh, I'm not saying they can't win it, but those should be much more even than they are. All right, last one, and then we'll finish out. The Niners at uh, heavy favorites in the NFC West, correct? Yeah. Yeah, Niners minus 160, and I think that Seahawks plus 450 deserves a little love, but Rams, Cardinals, brother, you couldn't make me with a 10-foot pole. The Cardinals are by a mile the longest odds to win their division among all teams, plus 2,400 on FanDuel. Next closest is the Raiders at plus 1,300. The Cardinals are a travesty in terms of the 53-man roster right now, and that coaching staff could not be greener. So it's a, it's a, it's a f- barely a three horse race. The Rams look like they're passing on this year and, and, you know, doing cap relief and doing that whole thing anyway. So, so uh, Niners Seahawks, I mean, in, invariably there'll be a week 13 game where the Cardinals beat the Niners. Cause it's the South, it's the West and that's how it works, but altogether a two horse race. All right, let me shoot my shot here to close this out. So at this time next year, we will be talking about a Kyler Murray trade because the Cardinals will be able to draft Caleb Williams with the number 100%. one overall pick 100%. after having finished with the worst record in the NFL. So we'll have to find a team for Kyler Murray next offseason. All right. Good look ahead. All right. That'll do it for Extra Point Taken on the Ringer NFL feed with me and Benjamin Solak. Thank you to Cliff Augustine for producing additional production supervision by Connor Nevins and Arjuna Aramco. Probably back soon on the Ringer NFL feed. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.